Everybody, my name is Axel Villamil. This is 24 Shades of Blue. And for those that are listening, we're here at the Toronto Police College. We're gonna check out some of the scenarios, figure out exactly what these recruits go through, and we're gonna get Leo McDonald, Staff Sergeant, to show us around. Check it out. All right, so Staff Sergeant, how are you doing? I'm well, how are you? Good, good, I'm glad to be here in person with yeah, you. Yeah, we're glad to have you. And, and what is this place? So this is our uh, our training village, our outdoor uh, training village. Uh, it's part of the college, yep. and it's used for a variety of different things. We use it primarily for our recruits. Uh, as you saw, there are scenarios out here, various different scenarios where they will come in and arrest somebody and then take them back to the booking hall. But we've used them for different things. Um, high-risk vehicle takedown, plainclothes officers course, our, our annual ISTP where officers come back and, and recall for their uh, firearms and everything. So it's used in a variety of different ways for a variety of different reasons. So anything like just in here, this is supposed to be a convenience store, but we could do an armed robbery scenario in here, or we could do something as simple as a theft occurrence. This is the, uh, for our purposes of our scenario, it's a, a waitress in a, in a diner is our, is our victim. The victim will be in here. The officers will, should come outside here. Okay. Suspect actor should be right outside the window there, um, pretending he's on the phone. And then they'll come in and have a conversation with, with our victim. Got it. And try and get her information. And then, like I said before, form their grounds to go and arrest the suspect. Got it. Are they trying to ever like shake up, you know, your, your the recruits? as they're you know, going through the actual scenario? Like, or like what's the, um, I guess, the goal of, of each actor's role? So it, I guess it all depends on how, how it's going, right? Yeah. Like if, if, it's, if it's going really smoothly, then the actors might try and throw a little bit of a wrench into it. Got it. If it's going too smoothly, uh, they'll throw a, a little bit of a curveball into it just to kind of make them uh, adjust the, the way they're doing. If they're having some trouble with them, they might also pivot the other way and try and Make it a little yeah, the system and kind of show them kind of which way they should be leaning or heading to, right? Totally. I mean, that's the good sign of like that's where they're learning, right? They yeah, can. and that's the, that's the whole point of today is like uh, any major mistakes we want to get out here, yeah, where it's in the village and it's contained. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, like I said, we'll have a debrief later and we'll talk about them uh, and hopefully they'll rectify themselves uh, when they get out on the road. Exactly. Learn in a safe space. Exactly. 100%. Awesome. Last minute. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'll call you back, right? I'll call you back. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Good. Uh, apparently, you're, the lady here said uh, she's having a bit of an issue with you. You keep going in there, you make advances, and you've touched her inappropriately? Touched? Yeah. I mean, we're friends. I, I come here all the time. Well, so apparently you put, you put your uh, hands on her, so you touch her like inappropriately. Well, I hug her all the time, she hugs me, I hug her. Any yeah. problem with that? Mm -hmm. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. Domash. Actually, well, you're I under arrest right now. For, under arrest? Uh, yeah, sexual assault. Yeah. Sexual assault? Yeah, sexual assault. Are you, are you kidding you me back. right now? Nope. Are you no. kidding me right now? Yeah. This is like, this is, this is such a joke. Do you have any IDs on you? Yeah, it's in the back pocket. Who's gonna run, we'll run, run that? Yeah. yeah, first name, Claire. Claire. Bravo, Lima, Alpha, India, Romeo. Alright, Claire, I gotta read a few things to you, okay? Alright. Okay, so I'm arresting you for sexual assault. Uh, it is my duty to inform you that you have the right to retain and instruct counsel without delay. You have the right to telephone any lawyer you wish. You also have the right to free advice from a legal aid, uh, legal aid lawyer. If you are charged with an offense, you may apply to the Ontario Legal Aid Plan for Assistance. 
1-800-265-0451 is a number that will put you in contact with Legal Aid Duty Council lawyer for free. Uh, legal advice right now. Do you understand? I understand. Do you wish to call a lawyer now? Yeah, my buddy's a big lawyer. He'll get me off this. Okay, if you, when we get into the car, if you provide me his uh, name and stuff, I'll, right. uh, I'll get you in contact with him. I will do that. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, you are charged with sexual assault. Uh, you are not obliged to say anything in the answer to this charge. Whatever you say may be given evidence. Do you understand? I do. Okay. Uh, I'm going to conduct a search right now. Do you have anything on you, weapons, anything that could uh, uh, you know, age for escape? I just got my phone, my keys. In this area are videotaped by remote audiovisual recording machines. There's a video camera recording the interior of the cell, including the area of the toilet slash sink. There's uh, an assembly. This equipment is now in operation. You're under observation. Uh, there are privacy covers available uh, for use while using the toilet. If you'd like a privacy cover, please make the booking officer aware. Okay, so you understand there's cameras and microphones uh, recording this. Sure. You check the pocket there, actually. Check the pocket on the right side. Right? There's a little Check the pocket there. There's money. There you go. Be added to your property bag and it'll be returned to you upon your release. Do you understand? I do. You can go with these detectives to our uh, criminal investigation bureau to be investigated, okay? Okay. Sergeant Weeks, how was that search? It was good. They missed Except anything? for the cash. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so we had the, your scenario, uh, and how did it come across? From dispatch, no, sexual assault. Sexual assault. Yeah. It came across as a sexual assault from the dispatch? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. No, I think it was an unwanted sexual guest. Advantage. Yeah, unwanted guest, sorry, it was an unwanted guest, and uh, the male party that was inside there was making sexual advances at the okay. work. Okay, and so just, just walk us through what you did. So we went in there, uh, spoke to the complainant. Um, she advised that uh, he was a bit of a, an issue and it's been ongoing and uh, that he grabbed her inappropriately and grabbed her butt. Uh, so when we came outside, we started talking to him and then we just formed our grounds right there and arrested him. And then when I ran him, dispatch advised that he was already on um, charges for uh, failed to comply recog for the same thing, sexual assault. Okay. So we decided uh, we had enough to bring him in. Yep. And, yeah. you, did a, you did a search at the side of the car? Yes, we did. From my perspective, um, I thought your officer safety was good. I liked how you were both together, like how you kind of had uh, Jesse kind of in, a, in an area where you were both uh, available. Um, your hands were up on your belts, which was good. Um, did, you, did you get the victim's name? Yes, I did. Leslie Lopez. Did you get her contact information? Um, so you see where that's going to be problematic yeah. down the road, right? So in future, what you're going to do is get all that information. Um, you may not take a statement from her that day mm -hmm. or, or at that time, another unit in reality, another unit may, may come in and take a statement from her, but you need that uh, information to get back in contact with her. Because you, now you're going to go up to a detective and say, we've got a sexual assault, but I don't know how to get in touch with my victim. One of the things I try to do in this scenario is try to throw you off as soon as you show up and try to, you know, chat you up and see if you can, I can build a bit of a rapport. But you did really well in being professional and just kind of acknowledging that I was being friendly because you don't know if I'm just, you know, a, a nice citizen. But at the same time, you have a job to do. So you just kind of continue going to what you have to do, right? So that was good. You didn't get too distracted at the, at the start. And then when you came out with your grounds to arrest me, you didn't give me much space to talk or to get away or anything. You just kind of told me, it's been an allegation, you're under arrest for sexual assault. And from there, of course, I go off on my rant about why I'm innocent, et cetera. But again, you stayed professional, you weren't having it, you kept doing your thing. So I thought it was well done. 
the only thing I would say is when it comes to search, we don't want to find things in the pocket once you arrive. That should already be cleared, absolutely. We had the admission from our accused that he had done cocaine in the last 20 hours. That's a huge concern for his safety and the safety of everyone else, right? That he may have something like that in a place as simple as the pocket that could totally have been checked before getting into uh, a scout car. So we're lucky it became cash and we're able to account for that cash here, but there's all kinds of possibilities of other things that could have been in the pocket. So obviously check for sharps first over the pocket, but your hands eventually, you do have to check that pocket to clear it and make sure you're satisfied there's nothing in there. Staff, so where are we now? I'm in a, in a quite a dungeon looking place. What is what is here? What's below us? Tell us about it. So this is kind of our, uh, like you were in the outside village before, this is kind of our inside version of the village. We have a, a setup here that mimics different uh, apartments and rooms and stuff. So it'll, it'll when you, uh, the officers get a radio call to come into somebody's house or residence, this is uh, as realistic as we can get it in terms of what they're gonna their face okay and as you can see by looking down we've got different uh, bedrooms yep. uh, over there we've got a, like an office setup a bathroom we run all different types of scenarios in here uh, person in crisis uh, our complainant will be Errol he's my partner mm -hmm. he's gonna highlight the fact that you know I'm gone through some kind of emotional turmoil the relationships breaking down mm -hmm. it's not working so I've isolated myself Got it. And the deal is that they want to try to negotiate, build rapport. If they rush in yeah, or try to do anything, then I'll utilize the balcony. Yeah. And we, we're having trouble paying for the rent. Is really upset. Should have talked to him. Let's see if I can get it. Hey, Bobby. Does, uh, you want to have a word with you guys? Bobby? What's going on today? Is it okay if I open the door? Bobby, I'm just here to have a conversation with you, buddy. What are you usually looking for, you know, in this situation from... So a lot of it is your your basic uh, negotiator type mm -hmm. interactions, right? You want to look for a respectful demeanor. Do they talk over each other? One person talking uh, for them to leverage each other's experience. Because sometimes when you're in a conversation, you can be tunnel visioned. Yeah. So we look hard for that support. Uh, network right so that support mechanism and that they're still maintaining their officer safety principles because when they come in they won't be clearing the whole house so you don't know who else is here mm. so you also always have to be aware of your surroundings and use that cover officer as your as your balance point got it and then a lot of it is what we call hooks and triggers so if uh, let's say if they start bringing up too much conversation about the relationship that is obviously an aggravating point for me. Got it. That's going to stimulate me to to be more aggressive. Totally. But if they stay away from that and say, hey, is there anybody else we can talk to? Can we mm -hmm. find you a different place to live? I think a lot of people don't think that's what's going to be done here. Right? It looks very you know, physical and aggressive right. of like a, a type of scenario. But Which what is, you're looking for is actually like, let's talk them through it mentally. Right. And, you know, so, yeah. yeah. So a, a lot of it is based on that whole premise that we can we can negotiate and work with people to address their needs. I understand. You want to you come maybe take a seat on the bed and we can, uh, we can talk some more? Make me a little, a little worried on that, on that balcony. So also, it'll be a little bit quieter. Hear each other a little bit better. You just come close the door and uh, we can talk a little more. I'm not going to get jumped, right? Oh, no, we're not here to hurt you, I promise. 
We'll say, you know, how did you feel? What did you hear? What did, what were the what was the information you were relying on? So I came in. Initially, he said uh, you were in uh, lost your job. You were in a situation of crisis. You want to hurt yourself. He told me there were no weapons in the room, so that when knocked on the door, that I was comfortable opening the door, knowing that there's no weapons, so there's nothing that can harm us. So we stayed outside, kept our distance. Speaking to you, I realized that you didn't like me because you recognized me somewhere. So I couldn't realize that talking to you is not going to go anywhere. It's going to keep escalating. So that's why I stepped back and let my partner take over. So that's a fresh face and you can probably relate to him better. You mentioned that, that Bobby was really in Jiu-Jitsu and that's something that I recently started doing. So I felt maybe I could uh, speak with him about that um, and divert his attention from um, what he's dealing with right now. After a little bit of conversation, I decided to ask if uh, he would step down from the balcony and maybe just have a conversation inside the room. But none of you guys rushed over there, right? You continue to talk to me, get more information about what's going on. And then when you moved over there to actually speak to Bobby, you started off and you realized there might be an issue here. So quietly backed off, right? Moved over to a second person, which was great. And uh, when you were talking to Bobby, you found that one thing that uh, you guys had in common, right? Jiu-Jitsu, obviously that was a, something that he appreciated. So I thought it was really, really well done amongst the both of you. Look at him. I mean, I've done nothing but comply with you. Okay. Well, can we tell him that we would pick up the. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sir, he said that he's going to take care of his dog poo from now on, so. I don't even like the look of his face. Do you see what he's doing to me right now? So initially I was speaking to the complainant, Errol, and he had some frustrations about uh, a dog defecating on his lawn. So the first thing I tried to do was express some empathy with him and say, you know, like I would be pretty frustrated too if someone's dog was pooping on my lawn. Um, so I was kind of just trying to de-escalate and defuse the situation there and talk him down. And at the same time, assuring him that we were going to look into this matter. And then I think, uh, Jules, you took over? Yeah. Because, I, I mean, you came out and <laughs> automatically the tension, we just want to completely eliminate that. And it was hard because you kept freaking out, so I wanted to get you away from the situation. Because yep. the closer you guys are together and the bickering, it's harder for us to communicate with you and de-escalate and defuse. Um, so yeah, I was trying to pull you away, trying to get you to face me. And uh, I mean, you just kept going off. So we were trying our best to resolve the situation. And Obviously, he was really adamant on getting close to to Bobby, so then at that point they kind of closed distance. They closed distance on each other, and um, I saw, uh, you know, Bobby swinging at Errol, and uh, it was a situation where I kind of thought about our use of force options. And initially, I thought about what, what if I could go hands on, but he was swinging, so I thought that might not be a good idea to get too close. I completely lost grip, and then I said, "Go three times." I'm like, "This is good." Okay. Yeah, it was. He was swinging too much, yeah. so I knew that I couldn't go in because he might throw an elbow um, and he was his behavior was assaultive and so I determined that uh, taser might have been the appropriate level of response and I watched you try to separate the both of us together when Bobby opened the door again nobody got into a real panic right you just went to address Bobby see what his concerns were you continued to find out what my concerns were as you can see we started to move right and you still tried to keep me 
away and in distance. And even after you pulled Bobby around the corner, right? You saw I still continue to move forward. And then obviously when the situation occurred that uh, Bobby was gonna take some uh, action, right? You both reacted to that, right? And you got him under custody. So I thought it was a really good job. Sorry, I just wanted to ask from like your training and obviously going out the field before, and if you've been in these scenarios, um, probably in this very, you know, sequence, how has it helped you in the long run um, when you're actually out on the field? Like, is, is it really very helpful, like a true simulation? Like, is there things that you think may be missing? I mean, obviously, every, there's always certain little things, but how close? We've been through simulation training so many times, and every single time we feel it, we do it, it feels real. Um, we like, it's like you never remember that it's a scenario. You respond how you would actually respond. And every time you take away like a major learning point and you know we all make mistakes it's our first scenario dealing with a lot of these situations and so we come out of it and we're like okay we're never gonna do that again yeah, yeah. so at least when we go out of the road and we deal with it we know what we're not gonna do exactly. and so I find we learn the most in these scenarios and I think our principle is always been experience-based training yes. uh, or dynamic simulations like this that's your best indicator of performance right like that that is how you judge and see how when we raise your stress level and we put it, you in an environmental context with real actors, that holy cow, now it's not a PowerPoint, it's not a theory. Yeah. Um, and, and having it based on previous calls that we've attended and leveraging our experience is like the staff said, we've all been to these calls. So we're here with Nick Woodsack. Uh, he's the physical fitness coordinator. Nick, what are we doing here? Uh, so right now we're going to do the pursuit restraint. Uh, so it is part of the requirements for the physical testing uh, in order to become an officer. Um, it's just a combination of different skills and assets that you would use out in the field. So in order to test everyone's uh, ability and see if they're ready for the road. Can you explain some of the things that everybody does? Uh, yeah, so it's a combination of strength, speed, endurance, and coordination. Um, there is a component where you're jumping over the short wall to mimic jumping over fence. Mm -hmm. uh, the high wall, which is looking over fence, obviously uh, stairs, because stairs are everywhere mm -hmm. out in the field. Um, the rail simulates going underneath small objects um, into a ditch or something like that. Yep. Uh, the push-pull simulator, that just obviously, if you're in a physical confrontation, shows your ability to be able to push and pull someone and have mm -hmm. control over that as well as the arm simulator, which simulates obviously putting someone's hands behind their back and holding them. Um, and then the dummy drag is the last thing if you're ever in a situation where you have to pull your partner out of somewhere or another civilian or anyone else. So it's kind of tying everything into a small course. Um, you do four laps of the course, and yeah. then as long as you finish within two minutes and 37 seconds, that's the minimum standard.
Okay, so we're downstairs now in the mat room, the downstairs mat room of uh, the college. We're going to be running uh, Axel and the recruits through a series of different, uh, some imbalance, um, making sure everybody's balanced properly, series of strikes, uh, some takedowns and that sort of thing. So Staff Sergeant Montero and Staff Sergeant Watson will be leading it. Alternating. In and out, after you touch. And we'll go the same way. Just gonna warm up. Nice and easy. Just gonna drag. So he's gonna step forward. So I got the wonderful gentlemen, the, the main top dogs here of uh, all the recruits. And you know, you put me through some wonderful taste of uh, the training that you know you put them through. And oh my gosh, like first off, it's very much fun, but also completely, uh, I completely understand how um, hard they have to work. Uh, and I just got to taste and do that, like you said, seven days a week um, sometimes. Um, probably very small rest days. Like, how does all this tactical training help them in the field? I think tactical training helps them a great deal because uh, they need that the proper mindset when they're dealing with members of the community. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, we always utilize de-escalation techniques. We always want to interact with the community in a proper manner. Sometimes, though, if you have to use physicality, right, we want to teach them to, first of all, identify the threat cues that uh, they may be found in an individual, right? And if they, if they can identify the threat cues, then you want to see if there's a way you can bring them down. But if there's no way to bring that down and somebody comes to assault you, mm -hmm. right, you want to be able to defend yourself, Absolutely. defend your partners, mm -hmm. and defend members of the community. Yeah. So we teach them different skill sets to use the minimum amount of force possible Got it. Right, to be able to gain control of an individual. Absolutely. When it's like a physical situation, I feel like a lot of people, when you're fatigued, you, your mind starts to slip, right? <laughs> Near the end, I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna, picking up, um, you know, the dummy up there, 180 pounds or whatever it was, you know, my mind was like, okay, let me just get through it, but I forgot about a lot of other things that I could probably use my legs, lifting him up more. Um, how do you get over that mentality shock when you're fatigued and how do you kind of put that into the training for all the recruits? I think first and foremost, incorporated in all of the training is a significant uh, amount of mental toughness. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what a lot of this training is, is scaffolding. Uh, so first we're going to work a basic technique and then we're going to introduce a little bit more and a little bit more until it becomes a complex series like you saw today. Yeah. Um, so what that teaches you is that mental toughness that you know you got to finish, 
that you know you're not going to let down your, your partner or whoever it is that you're trying to assist or someone you're trying to restrain. And the other big element with, that works hand in hand with mental toughness is restraint. Mm -hmm. So uh, as the staff here mentioned, we never use more force than is necessary. Um, so that's a big part of it is that awareness piece. And I kind of wanted to ask you all, I mean, like, what is the reasoning behind the office course? What is that supposed to do? Not just from a, I guess, for the recruits, but also for all of you to like quantify um, that they're ready, you know, to get out there. I think the, the basic components mm -hmm. of that obstacle course, although challenging, yeah. um, they're meant, much like we did in here, they're meant to mimic live situations. Yeah. Like you will be put in a position where you'll have to pursue someone wearing your, your vest. Yeah. You will have to get down and get up. You will have to pull someone's hands behind mm -hmm. their back to handcuff. You may have to pull someone and hang on to them until you get assistance and hang on and, and challenging and going through the different and recover someone. Mm -hmm. So all of the components are meant to mimic yeah. real life situations. One of the big things uh, we were all wondering, because it sounds like there's a lot of repetitiveness and also like a lot of days on, um, how long do you think it really takes? Like, is this six months really enough to perfect all of it? Like, you know, is perfection sub subjective? Like, what, is, what does this mean uh, when they're ready, quote unquote? I don't think, you know what, I've had a lot of time on the job now, nowhere close to perfection. It's always a continual struggle to uh, develop your skill sets. And six months is a very good baseline that I would say would be good to have our members get out there into the open, into the field. But again, uh, they learn a great deal here but the process isn't over once they walk out of this building. The process continues when they get out to the field, they work with their coach officers, and they take some of the things they learned here, they'll take some things they learned from their coach officers, uh, other details they learned from their platoon mates, right? Maybe they could be somebody from another division that they see something they had to call at, and with all of that, they continue to build their skill sets to become the best uh, possible police officers down the road. You're gonna be learning completely different things when you're actually out there. Well, you're, you're applying it different, right? Like we can do as many scenarios here as we want, um, but once you get out in the real world and you're dealing with real people and you're actually arresting people and putting them before the courts or whatever, that's kind of the aha moments for a lot of people, right? Um, that's when it hits home uh, of, of what they did in their training. Absolutely. I know there's also a new energy around here. I feel like also now that things with COVID are kind of being opened up, I'm sure. How has the training differed? Uh, since, you know, COVID kind of locked things down even more. Because we're a, a communal facility, um, we had to take very strict measures to control uh, any outbreaks or any transmissions, right? Because essentially we were considered a, a super spreader location because people would come here, be infected, take it back to wherever. Um, so we went through about a year and a half of um, modified programming, social distancing, reducing class sizes, and yeah, it, it significantly impacted the, the motivation level of the classes. The recruit program was um, especially difficult because not only did they have to come here, the Toronto Police College, but they had to go down to Elmer, Ontario, the Ontario Police College, which is another public health sector altogether. And they had slightly different rules and, and, and things that could be done down there. And um, so we had to be totally aware of that as well. So. Um, you know, I keep saying adjusting and pivoting, but that's exactly what we had to do this last year and a bit, right? It's just, uh, you know, um, when uh, things were shut down and then they reopened, they'd shut down again, they'd reopen, and we were constantly juggling and, and trying to get things through. But uh, through it all, though, I think, I think we ended up doing fairly well. I mean, we got all the classes out.
So yeah, you mentioned, you know, it's one of their most exciting times of their life. So um, anybody that is watching this or maybe, you know, a couple months from now or a new set of people are coming and they're listening, what advice do you have for all of them when they are actually getting out there on the road? I would say have an open mind, listen to your coach officers, listen to your sergeants, listen to your staff sergeants. You received a great deal of training. You knew what to do from before. You're going to go and do the right thing. Continue to do the right thing. All right. And let that be your guide. Uh, I think dovetailing into that, I think a, a big part of it is be humble and be empathetic to people because um, we're not, as we said in the scenarios upstairs, we're not going to be able to solve every issue in five minutes. So be empathetic to people, understand where they're coming from and give them the time. Be, be genuine. I mean, a couple of things I tell them before they actually leave the college is number one, first and foremost, is work hard when you get out there, uh, put in a good effort and, and work hard, whether it be an arrest, a report, uh, helping someone in crisis, whatever it is, put put in the effort. Um, and then um, from there, you'll be able to move on and do other things. The other, the other thing I tell them too is that, you know, here when you're doing a scenario with another recruit, you might think it's just them against the world, but in reality, when they get out on the, on the road, they'll have a senior co coach officer, they'll have sergeants, they'll have uh, uh, detectives that they can call. There'll be lifelines and resources for them to use while they're out there. They're not going to just. We're not just going to take them and throw them out there and be left alone. Like, there's, there's areas for them uh, that they'll get help. Absolutely. I think what I got out of this, you know, whole experience that um, the theme definitely was um, community and, and, and teamwork. You know, at the end of the day, like uh, as much as uh, I feel confident when I come here, it's just there's a lot of new things I have no idea how to do. There's some things I definitely did, but. Everybody, including not just yourselves, but the recruits, had this great energy of not only being welcome, but we're all going to work together to be better. And, and that was the main thing I got out of this. So I just want to say thank you. And uh, guys, this was 24 Shades of Blue. We're out.